So. Hey everyone, Andrew here, and you're listening to the Induction Chamber with my co-host, Gabriel. Say hi, Gabriel. Hey, what's up, everyone? So, unfortunately, Stephen was busy this week. He's getting ready to move to another city, and he wasn't able to join us today. But in today's episode, we're going to go over tournament results from the ProQuest, what we've been testing, and what we've what we think the meta is going to shape up to be. So, how was your weekend, or how was your last two weeks in Flesh and Blood, Gabriel? Well, I feel like there's definitely not enough time in the day to get it, all the testing in that I feel like I need. Um, so, just been getting games on on tabletop um, as I can. Uh, it's been pretty difficult, but I've actually learned a lot. I recently did an interview with a guy from Stockholm, from Sweden, who won a ProQuest with Oldham, and I actually learned a lot from him, so that really helped out. Um, kind of solidified what some of my thoughts were on some matchups. So I kind of got testing in without getting testing in. I really just needed to know how some matchups went and what someone who actually won a pro quest with um, how he did it. So that's awesome. So it's pretty safe to say you're taking Oldham to the pro quest. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's just the deck I'm most familiar with. I mean, I also play Prism, and I know Prism is kind of the boogeyman right now, along with Starvo, but. I'm just not, I haven't put in the practice with Prism that I have, like, with Oldham. So, I in this game, I just think that the more familiar deck will perform better. I really don't want to go in not knowing all the lines of play, not knowing the matchups. Um, I feel even with, you know, Prism being so prevalent in the meta, taking Oldham, even though it's a bad matchup, hopefully I could just dodge him and uh, beat everyone else. So I mean... I've seen people dodge a whole lot of crazy stuff, right? Like we had an Azalea top eight that dodged all of the Starvos in their tournament. So, I mean, who's to say it can't happen, right? Uh, my week in Flesh and Blood has been kind of crazy. Like I haven't been able to test a lot. I've been testing a couple games with you, right? Every now and then. I think we tested a couple games Saturday with Chain, which if you guys don't want to see my Chain play, like I'm absolute garbage at this. But, you know... It is what it is, and I've also been testing with my friend Gerardo. We've been testing his Katsu list, which is looking pretty promising. I haven't been too locked in on any list yet. I'm stuck between Briar, Chain, and possibly Dash. Like, I don't know. If I'm taking Dash, I'm not realistically looking at winning a tournament, but I'd be happy enough to top. So, you know, it is what it is. It's not like I'm going to be able to make the pro quest even if I or the pro tour even if I do qualify for it. So, let's go into looking at some of the car or some of the tournament results that we've had over this last week. It's pretty interesting, you know, with Starvo being the provenant or yeah, provenant deck going on in the meta right now. It's surprisingly not doing as hot as everyone's making it seem to be. So we got some numbers from a Google document here. I'm assuming it's from Power Number Nine, I believe is his name on Twitch. So I, I think I, I showed you the document, right, Gabriel? Yeah, I have it pulled up here. Awesome. So let let let's go over this, right? Like it's pretty inter like there's some pretty interesting numbers in here. So take with a grain of salt, this is all community information driven. So this isn't 100% like this is what's going on. But uh, the numbers are looking really interesting. 
Right now, we got Starvo at 109 top eights with 20 wins. Like, what do you think about that, Gabe? I mean, it is a lot with, you know, with the results that we have here. It's not fully updated, but this is what we're going by. Um, the second place is, Ch- or actually, it's Viscerai with 47. So Starvo has more than double what the second place has, which is interesting. And I know a lot of people are kind of freaking out about that. They hate playing against Starvo and all, all that. But I I do think that with every new set or every new hero that comes out, it's to, it's just a thing that everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to play the new thing, the new shiny toy. Um, it is a really good deck, but it, it does lose to a lot of things. And I, the more people that are going to show up with Starvo, obviously the probability of them topping is going to be more than the other heroes. I mean, some of these heroes are not being represented at all, and some of them are still making top eights. So I, I think the results are a little misleading, but... You know. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, like you know, like like I was telling you, like I I personally think this deck's degenerate. Like I don't know, it takes the option of what you can do. Like people will sit here and argue that Briar was a bad, like really degenerate, and I I'll agree. Like Briar was bad, but Briar never took options away from you to play the game, where this deck does. Like we did that one play run where I was testing my dash deck in what you've in ten turns you've used nine times, and it just really felt horrible. I blocked what I block out like thirty something damage, forty something damage in those ten turns, and still wasn't enough. So I can like I can understand people's frustrations when they're seeing this and getting upset about it but like you know like we've had this conversation back and forth and you know hopefully the metal just and like this won't be as big of a deal moving forward as people figure out how to beat it i'm like it is what it is but at 20 wins week one assumingly that is 20 wins like that's pretty impressive has an 18 percent conversion rate which is pretty cool and the 35 percent top eight rate and event rate is showing on this is 52.6, which is pretty crazy considering how new the card is, right? Like how many people do you think actually sat down and tested this before they went to their pro quest and whatnot? Like it was like a week before the pro quest when this deck broke through, you know what I mean? So that's actually either deck is super easy to play or the skill level of all flesh and blood players are going through the roof. What, what would you think about that? Um, I mean, I've played the deck and it is pretty easy to play. I feel like if you played Guardian before, you kind of get a sense of how you should be playing it. You know, what turns you do want to block, what turns you don't want to block. So it is an easier deck to play. Man, it, it's just weird. Like, because I know that there's decks that, that can beat it. You know, I, I, I feel strongly old him beats it i mean ice lexi beats it star was kind of taking the place of what briar was in the last format and the answer to briar was often things like old him and all these ice decks that slow it down i mean i'm not sure i think the meta will sort itself out honestly i'm more scared of prism than starvo like i know that's easy to say as an olden player but just in general i think prism is just i i think she just has the, the biggest ceiling to be out of control which is it's crazy that you're saying that because that was literally going to be the next hero I was going to talk about. Like, 
I've seen some of the stuff that Prism does. I've talked to a bunch of my friends that have played against Prism. Like I like earlier, you know, uh, Monarch days and early Tales of Aria, you know, you and I would play a bunch of games all the time. Like, you know, dash into Prism, Prism into Chain, vice versa, whatever the case was that we were playing. And Prism was a strong deck back then if piloted well. You know, so seeing, looking at these numbers, man, we're looking at 28 top, 28 top eights and seven wins. Like that is absolutely insane. A 25% conversion rate, 25% conversion rate and 9.1 top eight rate and with an 18% win rate is pretty good when you're looking at it as a scale of a whole. You know, it's not. Like, we're looking at Bravo, we're looking at Starvo right now. This dude's got 20 wins with 109 top eights. Prism has 28 top eights and 7 wins. Like, that's pretty crazy. And the fact that people really aren't talking about this kind of blows my mind. Like, it's like, this, it really feels like this deck can run away with... Like, it just run away with the game, right? I don't know. I have saw some crazy games over this weekend on stream, and the Prism games that they were showing were just crazy. Yeah, I mean, there, there's games that Prism can just spew out a bunch of ores in one turn. And against the Guardian, which I know every deck is going to have its bad matchups, but when they can't do a single point of damage, I, it's just it's kind of mind-blowing. You know, like I said, I think Starvo's going to sort itself out. I'm not too worried about that deck. I feel like that deck is super like easy to fix um i'm pretty sure everyone's questioning why oak and old is not an old him specialization um it literally has old him on the card <laughs> like that's that's kind of crazy i think if starvo didn't have access to oak and old that deck would still be strong and just not as degenerate as it is now yeah i 100 agree with that it was as a matter of fact like when we saw the philadelphia battle hardened stuff and we saw starvo and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, how is he playing? How is he playing Oak and Old? And it wasn't until then I looked down and realized that Oak and Old does not have a specialization on it. So I was like, oh, that's how that that's how he's playing it. So, yeah. And, and with Everfest coming out, it's kind of it's really unfortunate to see that. I feel like some of the same here, like mostly all of the same heroes that felt, you know, they needed help are they just got even more left behind. I mean. Things like Azalea, Bolton, Dash, Dorinthia, Kano, Katsu, like all these decks, they're just they're just not good enough. It's kind of the same top dogs, the Guardians, Prism, the ch- Chains back, and Visrai kind of emerging from last meta is uh, a deck to be reckoned with. But everyone else is just kind of left in the shadows, just doing nothing, which feels pretty bad. Yeah, like I 100% agree with that. So now that we got like the top dog on the list, let's go ahead and start from the bottom and work our way up. So at zero wins and two top eights is Azalea. So both these top eights with Azalea, one happened in Australia with Hayden Dale and all them from like the Arsenal Pass group and the winner of the or second place of the Nationals. So this list seems promising for Azalea, but we got it. We got one Viscerai, two Starvos, one Azalea, a Viscerai. Oh, that's two Viscerais. 
three Visrise, one Azalea, one Prism, and three Starvos. And the winner of that tournament was Viscerai, which is crazy. But, you know, it is what it is. We got, I mean, I'm, I guess that's better than what Road to Nationals was, right? Like, Azalea got one top eight in the Road to Nationals. And now she's got two top eights in the ProQuest on week one. So, you know, she kind of got some tools to bring her into the game. I like when I first started playing the game, that was the hero I was playing and I played her for several months and I don't know, like there were some games that felt winnable and some games that were an uphill battle, but apparently these guys figured out what Azalea needed to do to win. Like that's pretty cool, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean... I sometimes I just wonder like some of these heroes that get memed on a lot like I I just wonder how much work that the community's actually putting into those heroes with testing and just trying to be creative. Um I'm not sure. I mean I haven't played against Azalea in God knows how long. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean she's doing better than Kano. That's 0 and 0. So yeah, I mean that that's true, right? Uh, it is which is so funny right because at the beginning of everfest everyone's like oh hell yeah kano finally got some tools kano's finally gonna be playable and on week one kano zero and zero but yet azalea's got two top eights so but to be fair let's have to how many people do you think are actually playing kano <laughs> I, I, I like i don't know isn't there isn't there that one guy that like there's this one dude like he took him to the calling he bubbled out a top eight like two times, I believe. And then he played into 1K and scooped everybody up. So, like, I feel like North America has, like, at least one decent Kano. And the fact that he didn't top eight was kind of crazy. I, For the life of me, I can't remember his name. Uh, I'll look it up after the episode and put it in the notes. But, yeah, they're, like, I was pretty shocked to see that he didn't make top eight at all unless he just didn't go into ProQuest this week because of you know IRL things going on you know so maybe we'll see it next week I like I don't know so uh let's go down this again so at tying for three spots in the top eight is going to be Dorinthia, Bolton and Reinar which is very shocking like to me to see a Dorinthia list or Dorinthia topping at all, right? Like, that's pretty crazy. I'm assuming most of these lists are Axe list, which is kind of cool. At least I know one of them's an Axe list. So that's kind of cool. That was also, I want to say, in the Australia top eight. I the can't Durantia? remember. Yeah, the Dorinthia. I think that was the, the Thailand one, though, the one that Dash won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, I think that was it. Yeah, they're, so they're drinking we, something different over there because I don't think that would ever fly <laughs> here. <laughs> I mean, what was it? I read something earlier in the Discord that said all top eights aren't equal or all pro quests aren't equal. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, right? So, Bolton, Bolton also got some new tools this set and apparently, you know, He's either high rolling people with uh with saber combo, or people are actually taking these lists and playing them with the axes and spilt for blood and 
doing bolting things the way he's supposed to be doing. So we're going to go on to number four or number. Yeah, just going to be number three, which is going to be Dash. Dash has three, four top eights and one win. He had a, or she had a win in Thailand and has four additional top eights. Uh, this is a deck I hold near and dear to me. This is like my first real competitive deck. I feel like Dash is always a strong pick. I feel like a lot of people got debated into the first week playing Dash into an unknown meta trying to play control deck, which if anyone has played any card games at for a decent amount of time competitively, should know that playing a control deck week one is almost impossible because you do not know what you're trying to control. So seeing Dash being able to squeak out a win and squeak out a few top top cuts is pretty interesting to me. What do you think? What do you think, Gabe? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're one of the best Dash players I know. So I think you should uh, rep Dash in these pro quests. Think you can easily no, get top eight. Trust me, trust me. I probably I'm gonna I know what I said earlier. One hundred percent locking in Briar for Houston, right? And then I depending on how I do, I'm gonna end up taking Dash to Dallas this Sunday and seeing how I do. I feel fairly confident that I can pilot her to a top eight. I don't think I can pilot her well enough into a dub. For the tournament, but I feel fairly confident that I can take the deck to a top eight, which is more than what most people can say for Dash. Like, I don't know, like, I don't mean to talk illy of Dash players, but, you know, if you've read some of the Dash Discord, like, you can see how how in love people are with Aggro Dash, and that's just a deck that doesn't exist, right? So... We'll just have to see from there. Um, let's see. Coming into the number we did, Azalea, Bolton, Rhinor, Levia, Dash. So coming in for number six, these are both actually tied, is Bravo and Briar, both at 10 top eights and both have one win, which is crazy. To see like Bravo doing well, like I I haven't seen any of these lists, and I'm assuming they are doing Keeve mechanics, right? Like, I I have no idea. <laughs> I just like I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, Bravo is just one of those decks that it does what it does and does it well. So, yeah, like that's that's just really shocking to me to see people actually piloting bravo and someone actually winning with it right like that's absolutely insane to me so what's not insane is seeing a briar take a win a lot of people have been dogging on briar since her errata and losing plunder run and lightning bolt or ball lightning but i mean like it's just a strong deck dude like the fun like if you have good fundamentals of flesh and blood and you understand how tempo works in this game briars is such a strong deck that can do so many crazy things so that's not very shocking to me to see that briar still is a contender coming into this meta uh yeah i mean 
feel like Briar, just like Chain, is like the cockroach. I just won't die. I actually, I, I think it'd be hilarious to get an alt art of Chain as a cockroach. Do bit, bit. <laughs> so, not, I mean, there's not much to really say about that, right? Briar's not really inventing the will here. I'm pretty sure they're just adding some revels in the room blood. That's what I did to the deck. You know, it's kind of hard to get off, but, you know, when it does, it does Briar things, right? So, that's kind of cool. I'm really interested to see what these Bravos are doing moving forward. So, you know, there's that. And now let's move into our number six pick, which is... Oh, wow. Oh, well, well, number six is Katsu. He's got eight or he's got 12 top eight, which is pretty good. Zero wins, you know, which is a little unfortunate. But, you know, I honestly feel like this is probably one of the stronger decks in the meta and people just are sleeping on. It. You know, the 100 win line's really strong. Uh, Break Tide's really strong. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is probably going to be one of the sleeper decks moving into week two that are going to shock a lot of people and catch them off guard. I haven't played against a 100 wins line, but I've been hearing rumblings about it, saying that it's really strong, which is funny because when it came out, you know, everyone saying, oh, this card is bad. Ninja didn't get anything. And I don't know. Like, I, I hear people talking about it that are doing really well with it and saying it's really strong. So just, you know, to reiterate my point, like I always say, don't just say a card is trash unless it's like obviously trash without testing it. No, I 100% feel that. Like, you know, uh, this has actually been one of the decks that I've been playtesting a lot and I kind of wanted to, like, I'm not going to lie, dude. I kind of want to take this deck to the tournament. Uh, Gerardo and I have been testing it a lot and the aggro potential that the deck has where it's just coming in for 20 30 damage a turn easily is insane so i don't know i i really feel like this is going to be a sleeper deck moving into week two of the meta after everything is shipped feel like it has a really strong match into starvo has a pretty decent match into Prism. And I honestly think probably one of its worst matchups is going to be Oldham. And we'll see where Oldham comes up this week, you know what I mean? But even then, like that guy you interviewed, he, he even had a hard time against the deck. It caught him off guard, right? And Which I think is going to be a big surprise factor coming into this week when people see this deck. Yeah, I mean, I think a well-piloted Katsu deck can compete with the best of them. I, I mean... I do still think Oldham's kind of an auto loss for the deck. You know, even if it did catch him off guard, he was still at 11 health. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm playing against Katsu and I can literally just kind of do whatever I want and it not matter. But just me. But I think Katsu can outrace a lot of things. I mean, Prism, Starvo, even Chain. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, what was it? We've been playtesting the Chain matchup into it. And I'm not going to lie, like, it's pretty rough, man. Like, he presents these turns where he presents these turns where you're stuck with the situation where you're like, okay, am I going to block this? Or am I going to block this? If I don't block this, is he going to come in for this ridiculous amount of damage off of even bigger than that? And then potentially fake, fake a block or whatever the case or fake an attack whatever the case is and i'm just gonna get stuck throwing a carrying husk at like a two attack thing because if i don't it's just gonna go to waste like that actually happened during one of my games testing against the deck 
where he ended up just, he took my hand and he ended up attacking me with, at the end of all the chain, he attacked me with a Kadachi that put me at 12. And I just had to throw, I had to throw the carrying husk at it because it was going to get blown up at the beginning of the turn. So that was a little bit of my inexperience with chain, but also Katsu just doing some crazy Katsu things. So, you know. That's yeah, and, and that's pretty interesting. Katsu can just kind of start doing that right out of the gate, right? Chain kind of has to ramp. Katsu just straight up goes for it, threatens so many draw effects. It's just like I honestly feel sorry for decks that just can't officially block like old him because I don't know how they deal with stuff like that. Drawing two, three cards a turn, it it's just uh, it's crazy. Yeah, so. In the same bracket, we got Oldham. Oldham has 12 top eights and two wins. So one of the winners you actually interviewed, right? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So uh, what, like, what, what do you think? Old, like, how do you think Oldham's faring in this meta? Like, what, what, like, do you think these 12 top eights and two wins, like, is that like justifiable? Do you think it should be a little higher? Do you think it should be a little lower? Like, you mainly play him like how how does this make you feel um it makes me feel okay i mean from what i've seen i've seen like a lot of those pie charts uh, and how like what heroes are being played at these pro quests and old him doesn't have like too many people playing it so like i'm not surprised that the numbers are a little low but um also with you know the rise in prism once again kind of scaring people off of playing oldham i'm still gonna play oldham it's just one of those things every deck has a counter i'm just gonna pray i dodge prism and i feel extremely comfortable going into literally every other matchup i feel like i have an at least a 50 50 with everything else um and i i think old him is really well positioned to consistently beat starvo um you know things like winner's bites and frost fangs just kind of take the option of him even using his effect like he, he just doesn't have a choice yeah i i mean it makes me feel good it's just i think i just think prism is scaring people off of the deck that's all yeah i can i can see that happening but i mean i've seen a bunch of old ham into prism games and it basically just looks like a non-game which is never fun for either party right because if let's say you're on the prism end of the spectrum and you're just stomping them like it's just it's like you're playing with your food right it's not like it's not necessary yeah it's it's pretty disgusting i mean to be prism like as any guardian you literally except for like starvo because like you know the dominate and all that stuff um but it's just i honestly think i think lss put in the um, you can concede rule i think they put that in because they knew this was going to happen you know just call judge if you're playing against prism just say judge i wish to concede and move on with your day. Go have a bite to eat. It's a long day. <laughs> I can. I. I guess. I like. That was specifically what they thought when they were like, you know what, dude? We're guardian players are gonna have a hell of a time playing against prison. We're gonna go ahead and just add this rule into the game just for them. I so. would not be surprised. <laughs> I mean, it is that bad. Like, yeah. No, like, I, dude, I, I've I, I've seen it. Like, I I haven't experienced, but I've watched you play some of your games on TTS against it and it's just a Yeah, you can literally like you'll know like that you've lost like turn one. Like if, if they put out the auras like turn one, 
Yep, you just call the judge. Judge, I concede, and you know, go eat your chicken strips or something. The chicken tendies, dude. Hell yeah. All right, so, I mean, we've got, we went over to old him, and so now let's go to Lexi, which is, we heard me talking about this earlier on when Starro came in, like, when Starro first broke out, it's like, watch, everyone's going to jump to Lexi because that's going to be the easiest deck to jump to. And this is actually showing which is pretty funny, right? So Lexi's sitting at 18 and 1, which 18 top 8s and 1 win, which is pretty crazy. Like, I, I think it's crazy because it's, a, it's fucking Ranger, right? Like, Ranger is just a super underwhelming class that has an extremely high skill cap that most people don't put in enough reps for. So seeing, like, Lexi's actually doing pretty decent this meta is pretty awesome to me. Like, you know, seeing, I, I'm assuming these are all Frost Lexi decks and they just played against Starvo all day in top eight with them. But, you know, that that's a healthy thing to see, right? When you're seeing Rangers top, like, you know, that's a good place for the meta because it's like literally the worst class in the game. Yeah, I think people right? just have to... Uh come to the realization that Lexi is the new Azalea. Like, there's literally no reason to play Azalea. If you want to play Ranger, you're just playing Lexi. Like, you have access to all of Azalea's cards besides, what, Red and Ledger? Yeah. And all the elemental cards. Like, I mean, just play Lexi. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. So now we're going to move into the cockroach of the format. Your favorite hero, Chain. Chain has been a very dominant deck in Flesh and Blood since its inception. It's lived through multiple bands, literally multiple bands, Seas of Agony, Plunder Run, which is crazy, and still keeps coming back to ruin everybody. It's like a cockroach. So, yeah, like it's literally like a cockroach with a whopping 33 top eights and two wins. The conversion rate's not so high, you know, but people are taking this deck and they're doing work with it, right? Like this is... People forgot about it. People wrote it off. And the people that have been playing this deck for a long time, this you said, you know what? We're going to show up and we're going to clean up house. Like I, the, like looking at these numbers where it's saying top eight, I promise you more than half of this top eight was second place. Because I can't tell you over the last weekend or over this weekend, how many finals I saw where it was Starvo versus Chain in the finals. So, like, this, like, I really like the Chain deck. I think it's a very good deck, a very good deck that requires a very high skill cap to play. And coming from Magic, where in Modern I play Dredge a lot, which is basically what Chain's, be uh, like, based off of. Like, it's really good to see a deck like this in the format. It keeps a lot of things in check, and it keeps a lot of people honest. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, I don't know. It seems pretty good. I'm pretty sure going into week two, we're going to get a lot more conversions into this. I would not be surprised to see chain decks hit around 15 to 20 wins by the end of the ProQuest season, which is pretty good. Like, I don't know. how. how like, what do you think? Um, I think chain is in a very, like, healthy spot. Um, I, I don't mind playing against Chain. Like, he's he can do a lot. He's really scary. But, you know, he can whiff on a lot of his banishes. And also, 
as when you're playing against chain, everything is laid out in front of you, right? Like you know exactly what you're facing. So in that sense, I feel like he's a fair deck. He's really strong, but I feel like he he's just in a really good place. One thing I'm very surprised about is that people are actually being able to pull off eclipses. I didn't even know that was possible anymore, but uh, apparently it is, and pretty consistently too. So that's uh, it's crazy to me. Yeah. They, so like basically, from what I'm understanding is, if you're going into a fatigue matchup, you're gonna side in your invert existence. You're gonna side in your yellow uh, bounding demigods. You're gonna side in your yellow seeping shadows, and you basically don't play your belittle package to shuffle your deck so i i can see how it would be played like you know you're playing you're pitch stacking a lot of cards and you're going in for the end game it sounds a little crazy because basically what ends up happening is like on soul shackle five if you've set it up right and you've milled through enough cards you can go like soul shackle five keep two or three cards in the banished zone, take three or four blood debt, whatever the case is, and then the following turn lead up to that. Hopefully you got a couple of captain's call, a couple of modern skies, whatever the case may be, and a couple of blues. I mean, it, it's definitely doable, especially with uh, Spellbound Creepers being able to give you the double action points when you're doing things. So like if uh, like one example is you're coming with Bounding Demigod, you swing with it without your without making a soul shackle. You can activate spellbound creepers to give yourself an extra action playing Mauvern Skies that gives you a go again and gives your next attack go again. So playing that Mauvern Skies at instant speed basically gives you two action points. Which is pretty insane for the deck. So like if you really haven't played, like if you really don't play chain, I can see how people wouldn't understand the interaction. But like you know, it's not as difficult as it seems. As I get, yeah, basically as it seems. So like you know, it. I don't know if chain's good even after all his bans. I think that's kind of a sign of a healthy media or healthy meta. Um. You and I had this conversation Saturday where, you know, we were sitting outside arguing, right? Like this, this fucking Starbo deck is really triggering to me because it leads to non games and it, it like, and then like today, like today was like my epiphany, like why it triggered me so much, right? Like we were sitting there talking at work and it just reminded me for anyone that's ever played Dragon Ball, right? Gabriel and I have always had this argument, chain versus, or not chain. Uh, Cell versus Gogeta, which were two cards that cha or Cell made you discard down to three cards. Gogeta shuffled three cards back into your deck, and then you drew three cards. So my argument's always been that Cell was the lesser of two evils because you could choose what three cards you wanted, and Gogeta was this cancer because you shuffled your deck, you shuffled your hand back into the deck and drew ra three random cards. And depending on what you drew was the end of the game for you, right? If you didn't draw a block, like you were done. Like there was just nothing you could do. You just instantly lost the game at that point, which is how I feel like Starvo is at the moment with Oak and Olds and Crippling. So, you know, 
it is what it is. And then uh, let's go ahead and move into, I don't know, these are both kind of tied. Like, I, I've, I don't know how you want to do this. Like, Prism's at 28 top eights and seven wins, which is a pretty good conversion rate. That's literally the highest conversion rate that we have besides Starvo. And then we got Viscerai, right? Viscerai is sitting at 47 and five wins. So the like, I'm not gonna lie. The Viscerai seems that that's kind of shocking to me. Like I know it won the Australian Nationals, but the guy that piloted that deck is an extremely good player, right? Like that's like Hayden Dale. He's won a calling. He's topped multiple events. He came here to the states, did very well in our callings and whatnot. So. I thought maybe like he just did the deck justice and did what it needed it to do, but apparently that's not the case, right? Like it's, the deck's getting multiple wins and it's getting multiple top eight, which is pretty insane to me. Like, what what do you think about this? Um, I mean, it, it's not really shocking to me. I think Viscerai's come a long way, um, especially with some of the new cards like Swarming Gloomvale and uh, Reveling Runeblood and even the the one drop auras that make rune chance every turn. Um, I mean, Viscerai has a good matchup into the Guardians, Old Him, Bravo. Um, I'm not sure about Starvo, but and even Prism. Viscerai does well into Prism, so it's not too shocking to me. And when Viscerai can generate so many rune chants, um, I feel like a lot of decks like Katsu and things like that that don't really play the Null rune and that it really don't have the blues to afford to be pitching for all that arcane damage. Um, I mean, I I can see how it's you know kind of it's the second best performing deck. So yeah, yeah, no, really, it really, really is. So considering coming from, I I know you weren't playing back then, but you know during the Arcane Rising set and all that stuff, like it was really cool concept. We're like, oh, dude, we got Arcane damage. It's his new form of playing the game. This and that. But even then, Viscerai just felt kind of short most of the time so being able to see some of this stuff now is kind of cool and seeing how far the deck has come is really neat like i said it's a little shocking to me but i guess i can understand that people have been putting in the work and there's been a road like a roadmap on how the deck needs to be played and people can now easily follow that and then we got prism like there's not much to say we talked about this a little earlier prism just being a wild ass deck right now that it's really creating these damned if you do, damned if you don't situations and just getting there. But that's not to say that the deck is autopilot, right? Like, there is a lot of decision trees that you have to make while playing this deck. Like, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Um, I think it's one of the hardest decks to play. I mean, if you haven't played it before, it's just... You can have some of the most awkward hands. There's just points in the game where... You have to decide, do you, do you go for the breaking the halo of illumination into your tone play on the defensive? Do you save it for the offensive? It, it's There's just so many things to think about. Do you, you know, pitch a yellow to make something with your soul or to make a shield with your last card in soul? Um, you know, you can do that, but what if next turn you don't draw a yellow and you have nothing to pitch for? So all these ores that you have on board, you know, don't have go again things like that it's just kind of there's so many things to think about um 
even though it's a very, very strong deck, it's not easy to play. Um, but yeah, it, it's just with all these new auras, it's it's really scary how it can just high roll literally anything. I mean, with you know, a lot of these prisms are playing Mage Master boots. Um, some are playing the new helmet, the Halo Reflection, or whatever. And Prism can literally put out three ores a turn. It's and it's very hard to come back from that. I mean, with Spectra breaking your your go again, it just stops you in your tracks. Prism is always going to be able to have at least two ores on board, and it's hard to deal with for anybody. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've like I said, dude. I've seen some of the game. Or I've seen some of the board state that Prism has presented on stream and they really look like non-games, right? Like where the Prism's sitting at 30 health and the other dude's sitting at 5. But, you know, I, I really feel like this is one of the few decks... It, it's really hard to say, right? Like, it, obviously, if you put in the work to it... If you put in the work, your results are going to show, right? But Prism is literally one of these decks that you can tell someone that's really put in the work to the deck versus someone that picked up the deck maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And you can see how it is when they're piling piloting it. You know what I mean? It's pretty it's pretty insane seeing some of that stuff. It, it's good to see Prism back in the meta. I don't really think the deck really ever went anywhere, even in the Tales of Aria meta. I just think people were scared of trying to play the deck with Briar going around, but it's good to see see the good old girl back in the back in the mix yeah i mean in a game where you know the board state is cleaned up after every turn the fact that prism literally has a bunch of one one minions if not like three or four one minions with the new shimmers of silver um that just sit there it's uh it, it's very scary <laughs> yeah def it definitely is it definitely is. so i mean we've we went over all the heroes at top in the pro quest whatnot so like how do you like how do you feel about the meta like what like what are your thoughts on the meta i mean i i think it's pretty healthy like i like i said i know starvo is the boogeyman i know prism is the boogeyman but there is decks that beat it i mean viscerai beats prism i feel like olden beats starvo lexi beats starvo um things like that reiner beats prism i think it may be used to not sure now but i i think the meta is going to sort itself out Unfortunately, I do think that a lot of these other decks like Levia, Kano, Dorinthia, um, Azalea, Bolton, I I just wish that they would have gave them some more love. They really need it. Um it it it's just it kind of sucks seeing the same decks at the top for like a year now. Yeah, I one hundred. Like I said, like I in our last episode when we were talking about all this stuff, I, I think I had said that you know, we're going to get all these cards, but I don't really think it's going to be enough to shake up the meta the way people were hoping it would be. It is a supplemental set, so, you know, we shouldn't expect too much of a shakeup. You know, unfortunately, we did get Starvo this set, right? So now Starvo having the biggest card pool and then having the ability that it has and being able to do the things it can do from behind is unfortunate but you know after chilling out looking at some of the you know looking at some of the games that the deck has been playing seeing the ways you can counter it like i do feel like it's beatable it's not going to be a fun game it's not going to be an easy game 
but you know it is winnable and if you put in the reps against it you know you can win and you know you're just gonna have to accept the fact that there's gonna be non-games against the deck right like there's it's gonna be turns where they go crippling crush oak and old crippling crush oak and old you're just gonna have to accept those losses and you know shrug it off and play your next game as best as you possibly can right so like it is what it is yep i mean here's to hoping that they errata oak and old to be oldham only i think that would fix a lot of problems with the deck but honestly i just like if they ban pulses that'd be great but you know it's still a little too early to be talking about all that stuff we'll we'll wait after this next week and see what happens like i really feel that we're gonna see a rise in old ice hold him decks with the uh, frost fangs and the winter what is it winter's bite right or winter's grasp uh winter's bite yeah i mean winter's bite yeah and frost fang and now with the i'm running pummels with the frost fang so i'm just gonna not let them play the game just like they want to oh, do dude, calm down dude why are you giving it why are you giving out the fucking tech bro calm down they know <laughs> they know imagine <laughs> So, yeah, you know, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a rise in Lexi's and Oldham's this week. And hopefully, like I said, I'm stuck between playing the three decks that I'm choosing. So it's going to be between Briar Chain and Dash. Um, realistically, I'm really locked into Briar and Dash. Hopefully, I can put my money where my mouth is and make the top eight in Dallas with Dash. As for the meta, like, you know... It, I've been playing Flesh and Blood since Arcane Rising. I've seen some stuff come and go. And, like, this is kind of a, a funky meta that we're in. We got a deck that's really, really prevalent right now, but its conversion rate's really low. It's not, it's not winning as much tournaments as... Like, look, look at it, dude. It has 109. As of right now, with what I'm looking at on the spreadsheet, it's 109 top eight to 21. Like that conversion rate's really low. So it's either the Starros are playing the Starvos or they're falling into the Lexis and they're falling into the old hand, right? So either or. Or the chain. Like the deck. Right? Yeah, yeah. Chain chain can really put in some work to the deck, man. Like if what if Oldham has just one off turn, Chain can really run away with the game. And even if the Oldham doesn't have an off turn, right? Like if they come in with an Oak and Old, we got, yeah, 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 the Starvo, my bad. If Starvo comes in and hit, like they come in with an Oak and Old and our Crippling Scrush, they got, they got Carrying Husk, right? They got Grasswood Arcanite, they got Skullcap. So they have multiple, that's right there, that's 10 damage if they're a life behind. Then that's not counting a card from their hand, so. Right off the rip, they can block 13 damage with one card. You know, that significantly reduces, but you know, that like in the game of inches, right? Like, that's all you need is you just need that one turn of breathing room to carry on through your game. Yeah, if Chain can make it to, you know, four and five soul shackles without the Bravo doing anything too crazy, I mean, Chain doesn't really care if you discard his hand, right? He's playing yeah, from his like banish, he, anyways. He, yeah, he just needs one or two blue cards in his hand to continue his turn. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what this week brings us. You know, we're going to be playing. Uh, it's going to be me, you, and Gerardo, right? We're going to be playing in the Houston ProQuest, and we're going to go to Dallas afterwards and play in the Dallas ProQuest back-to-back. -back. 
So, you know, hopefully we all, one of us brings back a W or at least a top eight, you know, that way we can validate ourselves through the YouTube community and the uh, Discord community, right? Because we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I already know I'm going to face prison round one. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, one drop. The O one one drop? Yeah, literally, I'm going to face a prison back-to-back, <laughs> just O two 2 drop, and go to, like, Six Flags or something. Do bet. That was literally what Gerardo and I were talking about. He's like, hey, does Gabe have his season pass still? That way you can take it, and we can just go to Six Flags after we drop, after we O two 2 drop. I was like, bet. Uh, I, I hope so, not. I mean, I feel like I've been putting in the work. I, I feel very comfortable against pretty much everything um except prism but like i said that's just i'm not even gonna put like energy into that matchup it's just it is what it is hopefully they're bad or something but yeah you know that's like i've I've been playing card games professionally for a very long time now and and when i was playing world of warcraft there was this there was this some games like you know you would play like uh during the shaman paladin meta like there's this like you know you're playing paladin control in the shaman aggro shaman literally had no chance of winning it was just a non it was literally just a non game to him and most of the times when he's like when i would sit down with my paladin deck across them and i was playing against a shaman deck they would just be like oh yeah dude you got the win so you know there's there's this sometimes it just happens right that's what these triangle metas are supposed to be right this beats this, this beats that, and you know, you just hope you luck out and dodge the matches you need to dodge, and sometimes you get lucky and win the matches you aren't supposed to win, right? Like, it's it's card games. Yeah, and speaking of a so, triangle meta, I, I think that a big part of it is that we kind of hold Flesh and Blood to, like, a high standard with, you know, everyone loves the game, and most card games do have a triangle meta. So... You know, I mean, there's literally four or five, six decks that are are doing well right now. So it's it's really good. I just think that we're holding it to a high standard. So yeah, definitely, definitely. That's the that's just literally everyone's passion for this game seeping out through toxicity, right? So, uh, but you know, it, like I said, hopefully this week we're able to put out put out some results and do something. Um hopefully the next pod we'll have Steven back and we can talk about some ultimate pit fight. Uh unfortunately like I said he wasn't able to join us this week, but he did play some games with us and uh scooped us up in some blitz with his Kasai deck. So you know that was pretty yeah, neat. Yeah that deck is ridiculous. And then yeah I absolutely I mean buffing it. your weapon plus six like and then swinging multiple times a turn. I was like, oh, awesome. I thought I was playing the DJ and deck playing Ira, but apparently not. Yeah. So, which is pretty funny. Um, with that, you know, uh, let's move into the next segment. So, you know, Everfest has been out a while. We've been playtesting some cards. We picked out some cards that we really liked and some, like, some cards that we thought were going to be really performing. So, like, what, like, it has your thoughts changed from some of the cards you picked before? Um, I don't think they've changed. You know, I, I pretty much picked things like Thunderquake and 
Macho Grande, like pretty much all the Seismic Stir, all the new Garden cards. I don't think they've changed. I just honestly haven't had the time to test them because that's not what I'm playing for ProQuest. Um, I do have like an Earthlord Bounty build that I'm like working on on the side, but until ProQuest is over, I'm not going to like put too much effort into it. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, if anything, I have more thoughts on cards I don't play, like Shimmers of Silver, the new uh, Aura for Prism. Cards really strong, along with Haze Bending. Um, yeah, th those are strong. And things like Revel and Rune Blood and Rune Blood Incantation, I think, are cards that stand out for me. They just, they're really, uh, they're just really good cards, and I hate playing against them. No, 100%. I, I feel the same way you are really like, so far, like the one card that, like, my, the, the one card that I absolutely love in this set is Bingo. And this card, like, I really feel like I've been playing it. I've been playing it in Briar. And everything that I've wanted it to do, it's been doing. The only bad, like, I, I think the only game that I'm citing them out in now is against Katsu, just because they always have the fucking even bigger than that. So it's just a fucking pain in the ass when I see it. Yeah, that's, that's another that, okay. card, that even bigger than that. That's, um... You know, I saw the card. I didn't really understand its strength. You know, I, I know Katsu was talking about it, like when it was revealed. But seeing it in practice, like it's crazy that one card like that literally, it it just improved the deck so much. Like that card is yeah, absolutely insane. The way it elevated the deck is just like pretty insane. I like I would not be surprised. Like you know, a couple weeks down the line after ProQuest has calmed down and everyone's going back to brewing and practicing for the Pro Tour, I would not be surprised to see that deck or see that card in multiple decks moving forward, right? Because it's damage dealt. So, you know, if you're playing against Starvo, whatever the case is, right? I block out five, six damage. You leak in two. Guess what? I can, I can even bigger than that make my Quicken token and... Odds is are odds are I'm gonna have something bigger in my deck to grab and set in the arsenal and set up for the next turn with the quicken token, whatever or whatever the case may be. So that I honestly think that's probably gonna be one of the sleeper, uh, not necessarily sleeper cards, but seeing that card, we're gonna see more of that card moving forward, right? So there's that, and. Um, I guess we're coming up. What are we sitting at? Like, yeah, we're sitting at almost an hour, which we really didn't think we we're going to be able to fill an hour today. But you, you know, we managed to do it. I mean, we managed so, like four hours at work. <laughs> yeah, I know, no shit, right? So for people who wonder what Gabe and I do, we're both mailman and we deliver mail all day and just sit on the phone and talk about flesh and blood. So you know, this is this is what it is. So, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm feeling pretty confident about the choices. Like, you want to go over, like, some of your testing process? Like, what, like, what do you, like, what are your testing process going in for this? Um, I mean, really just kind of testing the matchups that I, I'm unsure of, I guess, playing Oldham. Um, I really needed to test into the Starvo. I got that in. I, I feel comfortable with it. I mean, Starvo can high roll anyone. It is what it is. But I feel like with the Winter's Bites and Frostfangs, I can kind of mitigate that. 
Um, I was really trying to get some testing into Prism. Couldn't find a lot of it, but I literally played a couple of games and I I kind of knew what I needed to know. <laughs> like it, it's just it's it's it's, it's not even worth like I it it is what it is. Um, I mean Azalea is not that. I mean, not yeah, relevant. If I run into Azalea, yeah, it's not relevant. <laughs> it is what it is. Bolton, same thing. Um, for those of you who don't know, like I play all nine copies of Winter's Bite. And all nine copies of Frostfang. I just think that combo is really good, um, especially for tempo. Like, you're literally, it's funny whenever your opponent draws into a hand, right? And they kind of sit up in their chair. They're like, oh shit, like I got the full combo here. They get all, they have that smug face on. They're like, I'm going to pop off next they turn. They get all confident. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, Winter's Bite. And they're like, okay. And, you know, uh, Frostfang, activate Heart of Ice, Frostfang. And now, I'm forcing them to discard another hand, so they're playing with the two-card hand in Arsenal. Um, it's just my favorite thing. It, it really helps me keep tempo, gets in chip damage, and it buys me time to set up for the late game with my Terra Sunders and Oak and Olds. Um, so there's that. Uh, the OG Bravo. Um, I've just learned that playing Sledge and Tim is necessary. You can't afford to play winners well. He's just going to value you. Uh, if you do that, you know, it's a 50-50 it's a matchup. It can go either way, but I feel confident I can outplay them. Um, against Briar, Briar can high roll anyone. But again, like, I'm just ripping cards from their hand, whether they like it or not, really limiting their turns. And when you're doing that on my turn and I'm drawing back up and they're not, you know, they're already playing with limited cards. And then Ice Reacting just makes them play with one less card. So, you know, I feel comfortable into that. Chain. Chain can be a little scary. Um, but it's not too bad. I feel pretty strongly that you can kind of just fatigue them, make them deck out. You put on pressure early, do it where you can. And once they start getting to three, four, or five and beyond soul shackles where they're just putting out too much pressure, you kind of just have to hunker down, defend what you can, defend efficiently. And let them kind of burn themselves out. Uh, dash. Have a lot of experience in a dash. You know, that's your main. I bet. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, I mean, I, I hate the matchup, but I feel, I feel most times it's about 50-50. If not, dash is going to be a little bit favored. But with our games being so close and me respecting you as a dash player, it is, I feel confident that if our games are going close and we know exactly what we're going for i definitely could beat another dash like no problem um i don't think they expect the strategy that i bring so it really throws them off and before they can even react to it they're just kind of it's too late um oh yeah 100 percent. like i i've when well you remember that whole thing with matt rogers bearing dash i immediately when i saw that i was like nah to the lap and i played a million old him versus dash games which is why i fucking absolutely hate playing against old him now but you know i i had to sit there and see it for myself and you know it is a against an average old him player it is extremely free right when old him is doing bravo things like it is probably one of the easiest games ever but you know you bring something different to the table with your build and i honestly think that like your build is going to be the future in which 
Bravo or not Bravo, but Oldham starts moving forward into, you know what I mean? So like, I, I feel like you're going to be able to, to, if, if someone's crazy enough besides me to take dash to the tournament, then, you know, that, uh, I feel like you're going to be able to put in some work and stuff and they're not going to be able to. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased. I know it's, you know, everyone wants to play these super high attack cards, but you know, I kind of like to take the game a little slower, be more in control. I just love disrupting people's combos, never letting them play what they want to play, how they want to play it. And things like Heart of Ice really throw people off, like clogging up their hand with defense reactions, and now they're having to pitch resources, which they otherwise wouldn't have had to. Just It, it just makes it super awkward, and they're before they know it, they're taking all this chip damage, get them low, dominate them for the win, and it is what it is. But um, we'll keep moving on here. Dorinthia... Not too worried about her. If you know how to play against her, she's pretty fine. You know, if her weapon has go again, you overblock. If it doesn't, you just take the damage. Um, Kano, I mean, that's that. I'm like, I have, I'm not even worried about that. That that's like a non-factor. I it's really hilarious to me that people like, oh man, we got to side in for the Kano matchup. We got to respect the Kano because the Kano shows up. It's gonna be. Like, that's just, like, I, I don't care. You start off at less life to me. I hit harder. You're going to go ahead and do whatever the hell you're going to do. Like, I don't know. I think I've lost the Kano maybe, like, two times and constructed. And in Blitz, that's a different story altogether. But, you know, in constructed Kano, I don't know. I, it's going to be a good deck one day, but it's not going to be today. So yeah, tomorrow's not looking good either. Yeah, so that's just where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. Is like that's not to say that like that one dude, that one Kano player that's absolutely insane with him and that's literally all he plays. Like, yeah, dude, good on you. You're literally the best Kano player in the world, whatever the case may be. Hell yeah. But average Kano players, I, I don't know. It's like average dash players, right? trying to tell me that nine copies of T-Bone is good yeah. and maximum velocity is playable. So, yeah, and, and I'm already manning hard advice, so, I mean... <laughs> you're already doing half the work, <laughs> yeah, so... I literally just activate that, and they do what they're going to do, and then, yeah, I just kill them. Um, so, Katsu, I've been doing a lot of testing into that. I feel comfortable with it. I mean, old him not letting the Kadachis through is really annoying for the deck. I'm sure they're still going to be able to put a lot of pressure, but I just don't think it's going to be enough in the end. Um, Levia, don't have too much testing there, but I mean, surprisingly, things that intimidate can be a little difficult, but Levia doesn't intimidate um, like Reinar does, so it's it's not too bad. Lexi, um, I feel like I do exactly what Lexi does, except I can actually block. So, yeah. Not factor. Oldham, the mirror. I mean, it's gonna be a battle of the winners whales, I guess. I don't know. Just battle of the wits. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that that that's gonna be. I don't know. Like, do you have you had any practice in that? No, like, I've I've I, literally not played a single Oldham. Yeah, like I that. That's honestly what's scaring me off chain is that I haven't played against chain. Like I feel like I can play pilot the deck well enough into a top eight position, but if there's another chain in that top eight that I'm gonna have to play 
I've played zero mirror matches, and I'm not going to be able to pull it out. Where um, Briar and Dash, I've played multiple mirror matches with those, and I feel like I understand both those decks well enough to in the mirror to pilot them correctly, but chain not so much. So we'll just have to we'll just yeah. see where that goes. I mean, I know what Oldham wants to do, so I just kind of learn on the fly, I guess. Not too worried about it. Uh, Prism, let's just skip over that. Uh, <laughs> Non-factor. Yeah, Reinar. Reinar's actually surprisingly can be surprisingly tough. Um, I mean, I I tend to pull it out at the end, but Reiner can be scary. Hopefully, just don't see a bunch of those. Uh, Starvo. I feel like my deck is pretty much built to beat Starvo. Um, not not worried about that. And Viserai. Uh, really good Viserais can be scary, you know, with the OTK. But if I play it right, I think I'll be fine. Um, I'm I'm really not. I'm not scared of really any of these decks besides Prism. So. Yeah, that's oh, been yeah. my my testing pretty much. Just kind of sharing up the sideboard, making sure what matches to bring in, like Sledge, or if I want to swap out Heart for Tunic, things like that. And talking to Tobias, the guy I interviewed who won a ProQuest, uh, really solidify a lot of my thoughts. So, not sauce. So, last question before we get off here: If you win, what gold foil are you hoping you get? Um, I don't know. I what it's it's only like what like just normal like equipment, right? Like nothing. No, I saw a gold cold foil earth floor bounty. So yeah, but it, it wasn't knows, even right? the full art though. That kind of feels bad. But like, what if you get a gold a gold winter's well, right? I mean that that would be sick. I guess that would be it if that's possible. But if not, then I mean. Uh, what are the stupid boots you play? What Ironhide? Yeah, there are some gold Ironhide boots. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd be happy with anything that's playable, I guess. Um, things that people want because I'd probably sell the card to be honest. If I'm not playing full no. gold, gold foils, and I don't want it, I feel that. I feel that. I think if if, if it was my choice. Uh, I would want either a gold Teclo pistol, or what is it? What's the stupid Reinar chess piece that you roll dice and you gain that much mana? Like just because it's one of the worst cards you could get, I would listen, love to have it and be like, "Yeah, dude, this is this is the card." <laughs> so just to be trolling on people. So with that said, like, uh, Gabe, you want to plug your handles real quick? Tell us where we can find you. Oh uh, yeah, you could just find me on YouTube. You could just search Ouija W I J I like flesh and blood. Find myself there. Uh really trying to been really have been trying to improve the channel, like uh working on editing gameplay videos and things like that. And I did an interview, like I've talked about several times throughout this, with someone who wanted ProQuest. I think you should listen to it, check it out. It's very insightful. Um yeah. Awesome. If you guys want to find me, you can find me in the Discord always on the dash channel talking bad to people uh find me on youtube at kadachi for one um i really put stuff up there sporadically i'm after the proquest i'm gonna be putting up my dash list some stuff that i've been working on behind 
and going from there. Uh, we're going to come back. Hopefully, we'll be back before the end of... Well, we hopefully we'll be back before the 3rd in March to talk about our ProQuest experience and stuff like that. I really want to thank everybody that's listened thus far um, and given us feedbacks on the podcast and whatnot. It means a lot to all of us. And uh, till next time, bye. See ya.